All right, so without further ado, we present to you our third episode of Dare to Share. Uh, hello, welcome. My name is Gus, and I'm here with the co-host, my co-host Nitai. Yes, um, third episode. It's a milestone, guys. We made it. Pretty cool. Um, and um, pretty cool that you're still listening, <laughs> or maybe you're a new listener. That, that would be very cool as well. We got some great feedback past week, so... Mm -hmm. Cos, what did we hear from our listeners? So we'll go fair into it very shortly. Um, like one part of the feedback was to have a little bit of a shorter Q and A, um, or let it have a little bit of a less big part of the of the podcast. Um, we didn't get many questions this episode, but it will be relevant for the next ones. Uh, it depends on you guys, by the way. <laughs> Send them in if you have any questions. Indeed, indeed. Um, besides. Part of the feedback of my brother was um, to have a little bit more of a structured approach towards the questions that we get. And we also um, decided to apply that to the topics that we go into because he gave us the suggestion to define a bit of the framework of how we want to approach this specific topic uh, or this specific topic or, or the, the question and um, what kind of perspectives that we would like to take on that. Um, so we want to do that before we go into the topics and before we answer questions. Finally, we got some feedbacks of people that enjoyed the podcast, that um, were implementing some of the things that we did and experienced in our lives. So we're very happy with that. Yeah. Um, and a big point was also that um, Newt said that what we shared, some aspects were really, really relatable to her. Um, and well, that's exactly what we are aiming at to share what is most personal because as Rogers famously, famously said, what is most personal is most general. Um, and with that, nice. we would like to go into the topic of today. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, indeed. Great uh, to have someone who, uh, who you have never met <laughs> relate to something you said on a podcast. It's crazy. But uh, anyway, uh, from that on to the topic of today, we have main topic that we want to talk about being curiosity so how do you stay curious what is curiosity in the first place and what are the benefits of you know practicing it and how to integrate it in your life let's get into it um, starting with curiosity cos what is curiosity um, curiosity for me is the um, the kind of open attitude that I take towards towards life as broadly as you can define it um, and spe specifically towards my own experience of life and that goes for both my internal experience so what is going on inside my being uh, how is it like to be me um, what is it like to be conscious of this specific moment um, and externally, what is going on inside of you right now? Um, what's, what, what gives rise to how I perceive this room? Um, what is the framework to which I make sense of what's going on around me? How did all of this came into existence? Hmm. Um, wh what is the meaning of things? How did things develop? How do things work? And as you might notice, curiosity for me is very much related to questions. Hmm. Curiosity is asking questions 
um, which you would like to investigate, which you would like to explore, and which you would like to find some answers answers to. Um, mm-hmm. Curiosity is your attitude towards the unknown and adopting an attitude that you don't know, but you would like to find out. Oh, nice. And would you, def- would you uh, see yourself as a curious person then? From, from your definition, I think so, but... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I definitely would see myself, would describe myself as a curious uh, person or rather a person who acts um, in a curious way. Hmm. Um, what I often see in my, um, in my reflections, in my notebook, is that often I'm writing down a lot of questions and sometimes I get, can get so much into the questions that I write like a full page with only all kinds of questions of which then I realize um, on most of them I won't even get an answer because they're, I don't know, about the meaning of life, about the mm, origins of consciousness, the dawning of life, hmm. these kind of very big questions. And but it's it, it fills me with joy to try to, um, to research them, to think about them um, and just be in this attitude of curiosity. Mm. And you talked about openness before in your definition of curiosity. So how would you define openness? Mm-hmm. It's quite hard to, um, or I, I find it quite hard to exactly define what I would what, what I would see as openness. I can jump in. Um, Please do. For me, um, curiosity starts with accepting reality as it is Um, as soon as the sensory input comes into your brain and it forms a picture of the world around you how it looks like um, there's basically a first reaction and what is that reaction well it's usually dependent on the things you have experienced in life Um, will you be fearful because you always were fearful as a child will you be uh, looking if you are doing the right thing, uh, <laughs> you know, in in the eyes of your parents or society, uh, or are you just looking? And uh, instead of you know concerning yourself with judgment of others, the situation, or yourself, just keeping that judgment, you know away (laughs) just not letting it come into the experience but instead accepting the experience as it is and letting the question form from the experience instead Mm -hmm. of the pattern you know that's ingrained uh, in you which for me is is uh, quite relevant because i was also always very curious by your definition asking lots of questions being concerned about how the world works but i noticed since i have been uh you know striving to achieve goals in the world uh, that the, the pattern of curiosity has changed a little bit uh, as soon as you define your goal you are basically passing judgment on what is good and what is not good to get to your goal and this judgment can help you prioritize and you know uh, execute on the right things to achieve the goal in reality but the other side of the coin is that if you define some things as being good to achieve, uh, to get closer to your goal, then by definition, other things are not good. 
which basically um, can limit you to what you know in achieving your goal because other things you will judge as being not good or uh, at least not optimal to use for your goal so for me curiosity it has to do with the openness part accepting reality as it is and asking questions uh, you know of, of that reality uh, before you pass judgment on what you don't even know for a large part yet um, and then also i've seen as, as as i'm maturing as i'm you know trying to achieve more in the world that striving can actually uh, you know come come at a cost to your curiosity if you are not careful when the curiosity is the thing that basically caused you to want to strive in the first place so i think it's uh it, it's pretty interesting to look at so so the, so the striving in itself kind of limits you in or decreases your degree of openness to the world because you um you only start to see the things that bring you closer towards the predefined goal or like stand in the way of it and you're not paying attention you're not processing everything else anymore well it's all about focus and you can uh, focus to get deeper into a subject or you can get less deep into a subject but then have more focus for the more uh, immediate things around you so you can basically uh, see it like a beam of light you can be like a laser and shine it like with a laser focus and get really far into a subject or you can be more like a flashlight with diverse light rays that don't get as far but they do light uh, you know a higher surface area so basically a little bit like that that's how i see it and and one is not necessarily better or worse than the other but it's very context dependent mm -hmm. so that's where the power of setting an intention comes in um do you want to be laser focused today to get to your goal or uh, do you not want to be laser focused and you know basically just enjoy whatever comes um, I think a balance between the two is needed to stay sane, basically. Um, and if you moderate the balance a little bit, it can help you be in the right mode at the right time. So for example, when you need to work, you turn on that laser focus very deliberately. Uh, but when you know you don't have to work, I've had it happen many times that the laser focus was still on. Walking home from work, uh, you know, to the train nothing there uh, you know darkness silence but still in my mind it was going 100,000 miles an hour mm -hmm. still in the focused mode well that can be a good time to you know take the focus off remind yourself to be open to be curious um, about the world around you as it is not as you would like it to be mm -hmm. so, it, so it relates a lot to the um topic that we touched upon towards the end of last podcast about setting an intention of what kind of day you want to have and then also within that day setting an intention of what kind of focus would you like to have in the task at hand yes so switching alternating between having this laser focus 
um, diving really deep into something else and blocking out all the other all the other things that come into your awareness all mm-hmm. the label them as distractions and move away from them and then to switch towards taking in everything and I think also in this in this viewpoint of, of diffusing your your light illuminating a large area and also the context in which an experience or a topic finds place you can discover very interesting um, cross-references between between specific topics and uh, yeah. between experiences and in this kind of open awareness things can surface like you said from the bottom up instead of determining it determining it beforehand mm-hmm. um, yeah and then you can be surprised uh, that that's something that Einstein uh, used to do a lot he used to take long walks uh, basically diffuse his focus not think about his physics at all and then he would interchange that with laser focused periods of you know just purely focusing on the math at hand those two different brain states bring different results and you know the rigid state uh, when you're focusing hard using what you know is a really different state than just letting things come up and i think in this society with rules for everything where you learn how to be effective according to the society um, before you notice it starts to impose these you know rules for your focus and i think it's really important to be conscious of that and to take charge of that yourself Uh, otherwise you can be uh, reactive caught in the flow of the day having bad or good days when in reality it's just the part you focus on and how you deal with it so um yeah be, be, w- once something comes in you, you can really notice uh what mode you are in how by how you respond to it mm-hmm. um when i'm in laser focused mode uh, anything that comes between me and my goal is automatically an annoyance instantly um and i block myself off from it mm-hmm. it goes pretty automatically and when you're in the open curious mode uh there is no judgment of something you will just you know put your focus on there see what comes mm-hmm. so that's my question uh, for you listeners uh, on most days are you in the laser focus mode or are you rather more open letting things come and then maybe after experiencing them then making your mind up what you thought about them are you making the decision to be in one mode rather than the other? Are you making that consciously or is it happening to you? Uh, reactive or intentional? Yeah, that's a really, really great thing you're adding over there. Because for me, even, you know, I can talk about this and it probably sounds like, oh, well, this guy's living really intentionally. He really knows what he is doing, you know, uh, steering his focus. But honestly, a lot of the time, it goes completely unconsciously and I just notice it uh, while I've been doing it for hours and hours uh, in the way I would, you know, looking back at it, would have done differently. So um, I think that relates nicely to what you shared in the beginning of last podcast of being so focused on, on work and on your goal and therefore having no attention anymore for the feelings that were inside of you. And kind of, um, yeah, blocking your awareness for a whole part of your experience because it was being labeled as a distraction. Hmm. 
And I think it's a very uh, nice example, illustration of how both your mood and the goals that you set determine what you perceive and what you do not perceive. Yeah. And I would like to go into that a bit more later when we share more about our own personal experience. And definitely now to go into um, like finish up on the part of defining curiosity with um, illuminating a few areas that curiosity plays a role for us um, in in our lives. Um, Great. Let's do it. So um, I, I, I will start with it. So for me, the three points that I um, that I found out were curiosity plays a role in interpersonal relationships mm-hmm. and interpersonal. So both between me and other other people and, and inside yourself. Yes, my relationship with myself. Um, besides, with with knowledge and experience, it plays a big role. Mm-hmm. Um, how it plays. Hmm. I'm I'm wondering whether um, we have to it, it it's it's useful to define a bit like these different aspects because I I noticed that it kind of automatically goes towards personal experiences that we have with these topics. Yeah, well, I think um, yeah, okay, yeah, define it, mm-hmm. define it insofar as uh, as you think that would add. Mm-hmm. So curiosity for. People, um, like, like I, I think the biggest part for me is that what you interact with, if you're interacting with other people, isn't exactly um, the full other being of that person. It, it's, it's not the full depth of that person. Mm-hmm. Because what you perceive when you're interacting with another being um, is only like a slice of, of what they are. So yeah. it's only what you see in that moment. Um, it, it's their appearance. It's maybe the mask or the role that they're the mask they're putting on, the, or the role that they're playing in that moment. You are not directly perceiving the whole history that they have behind them. You are not perceiving all the thoughts that they are having in that moment. You are not perceiving their current moment to moment experience. So, I think adopting an attitude of Hey, there's this person in front of me, but I know that I only see a slice of a slice of, of the reality that is inside him or her. And then to to realize this person has a whole history just like me. This person has all kinds of, of hobbies, of interests, has maybe read all kinds of books or experienced all kinds of things. And to I think this this elicits the kind of curious attitude of like Hey, what what is there? Can I maybe unpeel some um, some parts of the onion and yeah. come in deep and, and, and come into touch with um, with the more essential parts of someone's being? Yes, and, and also, uh, are you open to your own experience of those parts of their being? And also, do you realize is there you know you're always looking at them through your own subjective lens? So a lot of your thoughts about someone else are really thoughts about you know, how you see the world reflected back at you, um, which is also important uh, to know. Um, and um, I think it, being focused on finding the part you find interesting is really helpful because 
uh, we are very, um, you know, our brain likes to take decisions that save energy. Saving energy basically just meaning, okay, someone is interesting, meaning I get a return on the investment of my energy, or someone is not interesting. Um, and I don't get the return on the investment of my energy. And when someone is not interesting, you usually pay less attention to them, close off. Um, but in reality, it's all, you just, like you said, you just see such a small slice of that person that they really cannot make that judgment in one moment. It could say as much about your own mindset as it says about the other person. So instead of, you know, having the mindset of, I'm going to find the interesting parts, uh, or, or I mean, let, let's just see who is interesting and, you know, only interact with interesting people. Instead, challenge yourself to find the interesting part mm. about the person that is in front of you. Um, uh, I think that that relates very nicely to, uh, I think, an example that I made in the in the first podcast about uh, part about communication, um, like this exercise of listening to someone without revealing any information about yourself and really listening very attentively, see what comes up and then ask follow up questions constantly. Um, as Peterson said, when you're bored while listening to another person, it's not that the person is boring, but it's that you're not actually listening. And um, I've sometimes conceptualized a communication with someone as, um, as like mining for gold. Mm -hmm. And th the questions that you send the other person or the reflections that, that you make are um, like, like little, little dynamite explosions. And you, you open up a different part of the shaft and see, hey, is there some gold there? And then if, if you do that, or from my experience, if I did that and I ask questions and I ask follow up questions, then I always hit like some kind of source of gold. Yeah. And then once I'm there, it's, it's, um, it's so amazing to listen to people when they're talking about something that they're passionate about. Hmm. And then I intrinsically want to, to know more and explore more of yeah. um, what this gold source has to offer. And I think it's also important not try to try to be too nice to people while doing it. It's pretty, uh, sounds pretty crazy maybe, but in reality, uh, when we meet new people, we are very concerned with, uh, usually at least, uh, am I being a nice person and mm. stuff like that, which will, um, you know, the, the, the standard reaction to that is basically always choosing the safe path in a conversation, uh, you know, repeating to the person the, the answers that they've heard 1000 times before. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. And you? Yeah, I'm good as well. Well, that's really great, but nobody learned anything. Completely empty. <laughs> yeah, you won't come back for that. Uh, and you both know it as well. It's yeah, funny you... that you're actually, you're not conveying any information. No. Well, when we think about talking, what do we talk for? Well, to convey some kind of information. Yeah, well, well you're conveying something, but you're conveying it rather to yourself that, oh, yeah, I'm being, you know, standard, nice person, showing interest. You're more busy with what you are, you know, with the image of yourself that you're satisfying usually than with the other person, mm -hmm. which is very common uh, in myself. Uh, also, you know, as soon as you learn a situation has certain, you know, uh, well, not rules for behavior, but conventions, societal conventions, you tend to fall into them uh, whenever you have lost your clear intention. Mm -hmm. So it's also... Um, uh, sometimes I find myself in conversations that I literally don't want to be in. Uh, I once had this, uh, I was, you know, fundraising on the street 
And I started talking to a girl and, uh, you know, she looked nice. She was interesting. So I was talking to her. Um, And then I noticed that I was reverting back to, you know, the basic questions. What are you studying and stuff like that? And then I literally thought to myself, I don't give a fuck what you're studying. So I just said, okay, I'll be honest. Honestly, I don't want this to be a standard conversation. (laughs) I, I, you know, let's not talk about what you're studying. I want to hear something unique about you. Something that you wouldn't normally tell a random stranger on the street that makes you, you. Uh, Made the conversation way more interesting. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Way more interesting. Um, Very powerful question, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is because it gets through the layers of the usual stuff. Uh, it instantly is a unique answer and, and, you know, also makes for a unique conversation that you actually want to be a part of after, which is really important. If you are not enjoying yourself in a conversation, then you can almost count on it that people are not enjoying the conversation with you. Mm-hmm. So um, that can even happen in, happen in groups that like no one is enjoying conversation but everyone is kind of afraid to communicate about that yeah oh but the rest is still engaging so probably they they like the conversation or something like that yeah 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 well you know that that's the interesting part about you know uh, socially um conforming sometimes the 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 plane when you conform to is interesting to nobody (laughs) so but everyone lives in the illusion that the other people might be interested and that they are afraid to be perceived as un- impolite when either they walk away, they remove themselves from the unpleasant situation or they communicate like, hey, I notice some mm, unpleasant feelings being in this situation um, and I would like to hear what you what you guys hear about that. R- Rosenberg has, has a beautiful example of that um, in his book nonviolent communication that he is in a, in a group of people and he noticed himself being really really um, bored he's feeling very unpleasant and at some point he said you know what I will just I will just say what I'm experiencing I will say what I'm feeling I will say that I have a need for connection that's not being met and I will ask what the rest of the people think and he was quite surprised because the, the guy who was most engaging in the conversation, who was like speaking most, said like, was the first to speak up after a bit of an awkward silence. And he said like, oh yeah, I also really, I also really don't want to have this, this conversation and I feel really unpleasant. Um, which I thought was really, really, um, really, in, really interesting. And I think really promising to, to take this role of communicating yourself openly and testing your experience against reality because often you will find out that other people are also experiencing something similar yeah and then one thing that i still wanted to add to i think this question that you sent her um, was also quite out of the norm Hmm. it was an unusual question and i think then you when you receive a question like that then it doesn't uh, activate your default mode network, let's say. Yeah. It doesn't activate the, the network that you're normally operating in, but mm-hmm. it activates like, oh, that's something new. And I think that actually elicits like an attitude of, of curiosity of, hey, this, this conversation can actually go somewhere else. I can actually be surprised in this conversation. Yeah, and I think that aligns with, you know, once you walk into a conversation with a certain intention, just 
ask questions and give answers that align with that intention. And you will find out usually that will come rolling out of the conversation. For me, I walked up to this girl because I thought she was interesting. Um, and as soon as, you know, the, the conversation started to go a direction that was not interesting at all for me, I just noticed that it didn't align and I changed course. You took responsibility. Yeah. Uh, but I did, that, that was because I, I was able to contrast the feeling I was having in the conversation with the intention I said just moments mm -hmm. before. And because the contrast was so big, I was able to feel it and be conscious of it and change it. Otherwise, if I didn't had, I wouldn't have said the intention, I think it would be harder for me to do that. Mm -hmm. um, so I think we are taking a really interesting uh, broad approach to curiosity, but I think also very helpful because in essence, it has to do with expectations. When you're curious, you're developing expectations about how the world works. Um, and then you're using those expectations after that to maybe achieve goals. But then it's really important to, you know, take all the expectations away from the world and <laughs> uh, basically not think about them anymore and see where that, that leaves you. And that leaves you usually again curious and able to, you know, change your frame of reference, um, which is, I think, very valuable. Um, but let, let's wrap curiosity up. Um, one of the a few important benefits of, of curiosity is basically that it comes with a very open mindset, accepting everything what is. Um, and that is really freeing in a way because a lot of expectations we place on ourselves to achieve what we want in this world or what we think we want and how we think we will get it. Lots of those expectations are sometimes not making us happy, but because they are our own, we don't always notice. And we think we have to do this because if we do this, we get that. Well, usually, or at least oftentimes, it doesn't have to be done in exactly the way you think it has to be. Hmm. Um, and realizing that it can be done a million other ways, probably a way that suits you much better, uh, makes you less clingy to that expectation and makes the expectation also less limiting. So, so question like uh, actionable advice, question the validity of um, of the assumptions that you hold regarding your expectations and what the outcome of them might be. Yeah, and more fun, challenge them in action because it's always easy to start ruminating in your mind thinking, oh, uh, is this assumption right or is that assumption right? But that process, you know, thinking and maybe, you know, if you keep going at it and going at it, you make yourself a little bit crazy. Maybe that's exactly what you don't want. So, of course, challenge, but also challenge them in more ways than just thinking about it. Just do something different. Go to the opposite extreme and see how you like it. Um, that will learn, yeah, that will teach you more about yourself usually mm -hmm. uh, and where you really are. So, um, yes, the benefits, the biggest benefit is that expectations that you develop um, don't weigh you down as much if you challenge them. And if you stay curious, you will be able to challenge them. Also, that will lead to happiness because if you find a new way that you can get to a goal that suits you much better, you will feel it <laughs> and you will achieve the goal also probably better because you're doing it uh, with a better feeling about yourself, more alignment with who you really are, what your core values are. And even when you find out something 
and you discover that that's not what you want, um, then that teaches you some valuable information about yourself. About people really discount this advice. Uh, <laughs> sorry, talking uh, through you, but that it's a really important one. That's exactly the part that people don't um, don't listen to for a really long time. And when they don't, they end up in a midlife crisis. Mm-hmm. It's really important to really test if that thing that you say to yourself you want, if you really want that. <laughs> because mm-hmm. if you don't test it and you spend 10 years achieving it and finding out you don't like it, it sucks. And you worked so much for nothing, that feeling can send people, you know, uh, well, not over the edge, but throwing everything away that they've worked so hard for. Mm-hmm. Um, it also relates a lot to um, that I think often we believe that we know what we want. Hmm. But when we actually get what we want, then um, we find out that that was not actually what we wanted. Mm-hmm. But uh, in order to to really realize that, you have to be... Um, you have to allow yourself to be open for whatever the outcome of it is. And I think often we get so attached to what we expected to get out of a certain endeavor that um, that, that we are actually in self-denial. We, we don't want to acknowledge to ourselves that the future that we worked so hard for, that we invested so much time in, that um, it didn't have the kind of benefits that we hoped for or the... the and then we start self-justifying to, you know, avoid cognitive mm-hmm. dissonance and stuff like that. And then you get people who are really bitter <laughs> walking down a path that they don't want, but they have told themselves they have to so many times that they believe it's true. Mm-hmm. And yeah. to, um, to, 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 to relate it a bit to my own, um, own experience and also relate it a bit to, to some actionable advice, like what can you do to prevent that from happening? And I think for me, a very important practice has been self-reflection hmm. um, both reflecting as in like sitting contemplating trying to feel into with what we talked about last week feel into myself is this the right path for me um, but also um, investigating myself through to writing reflections so asking myself questions like hey is this is this the path that i want to take how do i feel when i'm um, when I'm working on this goal mm-hmm. um, and adopting this open attitude towards whatever might arise in me and then writing about it help, has helped me a lot in the past to um, develop more clarity about who I am as a person, what I value in the world and what the direction is that I do want to take and what the directions are that I want to avoid. Yeah, um, that you think you want to avoid. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but probably but, but learned through experience then. Exactly, yeah, that, that I've experienced, okay, this is not in line with the values that I have defined for myself. And it's also not in line with uh, my felt sense of um, of doing it, of experience. Yeah. And I think one, one very big one has been for me, for instance, to um, change my relationship to using drugs and especially uh, smoking weed. Because for quite a long time I was, how I describe it, caught in its grip 
and I was constantly in this mist of the weed like the days after I smoked and mm-hmm. then I got stuck in this kind of vicious cycle of waking up the next morning after having smoked way too much and then lighting the rest of the joint from the previous day just to postpone um, facing the consequences of my actions mm. and uh, both talking openly about that um, has helped me a lot for instance I, I talked openly about using drugs also with my parents and um, when I came back from like um, traveling in, in Spain for some time I came back for, for Christmas and then afterwards like half a month afterwards I went to do a hitchhiking adventure and when I was back I was again smoking quite a bit before that I was smoking quite a bit and um, at some point I had a conversations about it with my dad um, and he really helped me to see that that was really not serving me in any way anymore and then I made consciously the decision okay uh, and, and I wrote that down in my in my journal the next part of my journey I will do without doing drugs and I didn't instantly succeed I, I fell back a couple of times during my journey or fell back I, like I, I, I used some I, I smoked some weed a couple of times it was I noticed also how hard it was and I noticed how dependent I had become from it um, but having set this intention for this part of the journey I um, I sobered up a lot and as a consequence I think I came a lot closer to who I am without uh, this substance relatable um, man I, st- I spent years in a, a big hashish laden haze uh, you know practicing curiosity <laughs> on the, in a many many ways <laughs> and um, yeah it's, it's just really interesting to see the world through a different perspective but it's important to realize that the perspective is in yourself uh, and um, also um, that once you've done something a long time it's good to shake it up to find out where you stand without it Um, I also have a personal example that's a little bit different since I started studying um, I basically put my laser focus all on my studies that has been since September last year Uh, so far I've been doing pretty well with the studies you know getting high grades but also you know liking that feeling wanting to you know get more grades uh, learn more be more competitive um, and just have a great time at studying so I had this expectation set up okay how I'm gonna get the most out of my period studying Uh, and I had also um, you know my, my intention was just to learn as much as possible but as soon as you uh, set that intention that beco- can become a prison as well um, because learning is a very broad uh, very broad construct it's not just learning what you do from the book at the study it's many more ways that you can learn uh, from you know being at university interacting with people so i noticed that setting up that expectation basically made me focus more and more and more on my studies uh, it did make me quit all, all the drugs and stuff like that instantly because i just noticed okay if i want to you know perform optimally over here uh, that really doesn't serve me so i'm just going to quit it uh, but after a couple of months i was noticing my laser focus was going so extremely to the studying 
um, that I was losing the other part of myself that is more curious, more open, uh, you know, accepting things as it is instead of, you know, just developing the next plan to get to the goal optimally. Um, and also, um, then I had this moment, it was about uh, two weeks ago, around the time of recording our last podcast, that I really noticed that I just had taken it a little bit too far. I was doing statistics uh, <laughs> and I was just, you know, uh, pushing myself to keep going and really noticing that it just didn't work. I was getting so distracted and, you know, also mentally and emotionally um, really, uh, really reactive to small things happening. Like, uh, you know, I had a group project and some things about the group project weren't going optimally in my mind. They were still going well, but they could have gone better. And that annoyed the hell out of me, <laughs> which made me actually lose my focus during the studying. And then I had some things with my girlfriend going on, which were distracting me as well. So I was sitting there trying to conjure this laser focus. My heart and my feeling was telling me, dude, you need to do something way different now. And I didn't listen to it, didn't listen to it. And then there was a sudden moment where I just snapped and I was like, I really don't want this anymore. <laughs> well, I really do love the study. So how did I handle that? Well, I uh, actually sought the other extreme. So what I did is uh, I had this picture and, and the, on the background of my uh, laptop desktop, uh, which is a picture of a guy who is playing his saxophone. And he is lying on the stage. And he's playing it with his eyes closed. And at the edge of the stage, there are all these people who are like, ultimately enjoying what he is doing like pulling these orgasmic faces like oh my god he's so good and the guy just has his eyes closed lying on the stage and he's just playing which i really like and um, it says something about the attitude about how i want to live my life as well you know i just want to do my uh, enjoy my craft and enjoy it so much that that's Will make the other people enjoy uh, i've learned that if you focus on other people making other people happy the only way you can do that is to set yourself free because only by setting yourself free and doing what you want to do will you give them the unconscious permission to allow them to do what they want to do mm. so also living in line with your value of mm, living according to your own personal values yeah um, and living not, uh, in autonomously uh, yeah without compromise also because um you know your environment some people might like what you do some might not but the only way you're gonna find the environment that fits you best is if you you know just follow your natural tendency follow what you really want to do and then find the people who align with that not the other way around mm. not find people where you can just compromise on yourself, not be your complete self, and then they accept you. Mm -hmm. That's a fucked up state to, to be in. If that's, Because that's not what you need to do to be accepted. That's the crazy thing about it. There are lots of people who accept any type of behavior if you just look at it. You know, just go to the internet, Google some stuff. Uh, I, you know, you can find these BDSM clubs. People accept completely different behavior than would be accepted in a university classroom, for example. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't make you good or bad to which, you know, uh, arena you conform the best. So 
it's important to do it the other way around. Think about what type of environment I want to be in. Uh, and you find that by living your core values and just seeing where you bump up against the walls of acceptance of other people and just steering. So create an environment that is an extension of yourself rather than an environment that imposes. Well, that's, that's, that's an important difference because the emphasis should not be on the environment. The emphasis should be on following your own heart and your own journey and doing your own things, because then you will automatically like a compass be taken to the environment where you fit best which you might not always know. If you focus on manipulating the environment, in the environment are also other people and other people's opinions of you. Yeah, I didn't quite mean manipulating the environment, but more I meant that um, you are embedded in your environment. Yeah. And you always have to deal also with the constraints that the environment puts on, on you. You can... You can somewhat decide to what degree you um, allow these, these constraints to shape you in a certain way, but there will always be, will be certain constraints. Um, Definitely. Well, I say find the environment where you, as, where you are as... Um, what, what I wanted to say is that um, like finding your environment, that... Um, that is the notion that this environment already exists and I don't think it does. And mm. like that's why I said create the environment that is an extension of yourself. Mm. Just as in your room, like I think it's very helpful if your room is an extension of yourself and it kind of um, the, the design of your room is an... Um, is a sort of functions as a guide of the kinds of things that you value, the kind of activities that you want to do. Um, and um, in a similar fashion, like the kind of relationships that you have and how you talk to people that shapes, mm, like, like you are shaping the kind of relationships that you have. And I would say to shape these relationships as, um, as how you want to relate to other people. How you want to be able to communicate to others yeah. because there is no if i just go out i haven't done any work on it yet i haven't done any effort on creating something like an honest relationship and i just go out to talk to strangers i cannot expect them to honestly relate to me but when i go out and i allow myself to be uh, to, to communicate myself transparently talk about what i what i value what i think of them what i uh, what I feel in relationship to them, then um, I, I invite them, like I said earlier, to also do that towards me. And then mm. I am shaping the kind of relationships that I want to have. Yeah, okay, I get what you mean. And, and in that sense, I agree. Uh, but most importantly, I agree with the part that you need to start with yourself, sending out the intention that you want to, doing the, uh, acting in accordance with your values. Uh, because mm -hmm. only then can you change the environment in a way that will, you know, uh, be conducive to that. So that was where I was, you know, jumping in because I think lots of times people actually start with the environment, start trying to manipulate that before they, uh, you know, get centered and really decide on what they want because that should be done first. Otherwise, you will try to 
see fitting in with the environment as a goal in itself. Mm-hmm. And there will always be somewhere where you can fit in if you just, you know, put away enough pieces of yourself, not show enough of yeah. yourself. There will also be an environment where you fit. But will that be the environment where you thrive? I think not. I think it's important to start showing those pieces and to see if the environment doesn't fit, to not take that hint to our monkey brain as a reason not to show those pieces of yourself anymore, but you just realize maybe that piece of myself at this time wasn't, you know, what this person needed. Okay, doesn't make me bad for showing it or that person bad for rejecting it. It's just what it is. Um, One thing that I would like to uh, clarify is that, um, like you're saying, you you don't start with changing the environment um, or or you don't start from what the environment expects of you. You start with what you would like to live out, how you would like to live. And I just want to um, emphasize that um, working on yourself can mean working on your environment. Definitely. Or starting by working on your environment. Definitely. And um, I think that's important that you don't first have to be perfectly aligned and be in a good mood and um, I know have yourself figured out before you start working on your environment. I but think often it, it works kind of best in conjun- conjunction with each other. So I agree. As, as long as you take other people out of it, if you have like your environment, which is maybe your room, Sure, go ahead. Change right now. Make it more conducive to who you want to be. I, I, I would add other people to it in the sense that how you... Uh, Adler said that all problems are interpersonal relationship problems. So you're not working on trying to change another person, but you are trying to... You are working on changing your relationship with someone. So you are changing the way that you communicate yourself to someone. That That's okay. I mean, as long as you um, start on the part where you actually have influence over. So basically the part where you are, what you are sending to them, if you take charge and responsibility about that, sure, about how you communicate yourself to them, sure. But don't try to take responsibility of how they respond back to you. Definitely, I I think we we totally agree. Yeah, I I think, and I think that's a really important one because people have these needs, these needs for acceptance, uh, these needs for, you know, all these ty- type of social needs. And one, once they don't get them, they will try to get them uh, by, you know, other ways. But, but if you try to get to your need of acceptance by putting away the part of yourself that people don't readily accept, uh, it's kind of, you know, uh, affirming the fact that that part cannot be accepted, which is, you know, self-reinforcing loop of destroying confidence and, you know, tucking away your gift that is meant for the world just because it's not, you know, suited to this environment, mm-hmm. which I think is a great shame. Um, so that's wh- what I mean mostly. Um, yeah, I can, I can, um, or I, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I think it's, it's in no way it's desirable to suppress certain parts of yourself, um, which I think basically means that you, um, you, you banish them towards your unconscious. Mm-hmm. You banish them to the places where you cannot see. And therefore, you also cannot perceive what they're doing there. But it doesn't mean that they're not influencing you anymore. Really interesting. I'd like to talk about that sooner. But first, I'd like to wrap up. And <laughs> actually, in the middle of the example of, of, of the saxophone, uh, 
you know, talking about the saxophone guy. We had a really great intermezzo uh, and I never finished the example. So I would like to finish it. Um, also building a bridge to what you just said. It's also important that um, just like you're not suppressed, maybe you are or are not suppressing parts of yourself toward other people that you also, uh, you know, mind that if you are suppressing parts of yourself towards yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that was what this example was eventually leading to. There was this one part of myself that wanted to, you know, uh, perform, that wanted to learn. But there's this other part of myself, and it was at the moment the most dominating part, that I didn't want to learn at all. That just want to, you know, um, do something else, be distracted in whatever way it could be from the learning. Because it was just getting a lot. Um, so... I was dabbling around in this distraction, you know, and also, you know, being a little bit self-critical about, yeah, we've been here for hours, done nothing yet, blah, blah, blah. And um, then I, I, I looked at this image of this guy playing a saxophone on the stage and I was like, that's the part of myself that wants to be in charge now. You know, it's the part that wants to enjoy, that wants to do his thing. So um, talking about curiosity, I knew that if... I didn't like the status quo that I should change it. And the fact that I didn't like about the status quo, he said that I was so laser focused, that I was so purely focused on one thing while neglecting other needs. So what I did is something that's uh, completely opposite to the mode of thinking that I was in. Instead of, you know, continuing to study, I was like, fuck it. I just want to stop this now and just uh, book a lesson to learn the saxophone uh, and I did that <laughs> actually I, I, I'm on my second lesson now but it felt really really great to just throw out of the, the expectations out of the window and just change them for something completely uh, different at that moment mm-hmm. because to get this laser focus I was telling myself oh you can't do this because you have to study you can't do that you have to study if you only if you do this you really study properly so all these uh, restrictions uh, on my flow to basically focus it. Mm-hmm. And then what felt really great is just taking those away and choosing a different direction where there were no expectations yet. Um, and basically just saying goodbye to uh, a couple of the expectations that had gotten me in this, you know, distracted and a little bit of stressed state. Mm-hmm. So that is uh, a little bit of actionable advice that I want to give. Uh, to the people who are seeking curiosity or at least happiness uh, in their life because as as soon as you are in a different environment where you're curious while you're learning happiness will follow shortly so if you are feeling in your body in your mind that this flow that you're in right now is not bringing you the part of life that you want to see right now um, don't be afraid to pull the trigger and do something different Um, because the only thing that can really, um, you know, make you not appreciate uh, what you have is is if you don't appreciate what the moment learns you. <laughs> That's the only way you won't be able to steer to the part of life that you want that you want to see if you don't listen to it. So listen to it, and uh, you know that thing that you've been putting off. Just take a few minutes, book it right now, do it right now, make that first step. 
Um, I, I still wanted to reflect a little bit on the on the story because I think there were some uh, some interesting parts in it. Go ahead. Um, one part I think relates nicely to our last episodes about um, things that starting as an from an intrinsic motivation. So you're studying, as you said, you really you really wanted to learn. You're really motivated and beginning got a lot of enjoyment out of it. And then gradually, probably um, in the beginning, as, as, at least without you even noticing, the wants became shoots. Yeah. So you started to tell yourself like, oh, I should get an A plus or else like I'm, I'm a failure. I should work 12 hours a day on the study. Um, I have to do this. No, I cannot. Uh, I cannot get bothered with anything, anything else. As if like um, I'm picturing like a a father inside inside of you that is really like working working hard on 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 his on his thing because he wants to be a good father he wants to to supply for the family and then like the kid comes comes out and like hey dad dad I want to play I want to show you something no not not now I'm working yeah exactly like, defeating the the initial purpose of like oh I want to be a good father. Um, well, what, what it means to be a good father is like making time for the child as well. And the child is as this part in you that, um, well, wanted to, for instance, play the saxophone. Um, and another interesting part that I found is that initially you said the part didn't want to learn. But that was not exactly right. It didn't want to work. Hmm. And you made learning into working. Ooh, um, my, I like it, man. My girlfriend in the in the last week weeks has been trying to adopt more an attitude of don't do anything that isn't play. And when you're what we normally consider as working, especially when it's something that you intrinsically chose to do, or um, intrinsically want to do, and you chose to do it, then in the beginning it's play. But as soon as we start to tell us that we have to do it or else, um, or else there are negative consequences, then it turns from play into work. And this part really wanted to learn, actually. It wanted to learn something completely new. It wanted to play the saxophone. It wanted to explore the world. Um, but because you were in such a laser focus, you discarded, like, no, no, you, you just don't want to learn. You're just maybe this this lazy part of me or something like that, or this undis undisciplined part. Well, it's the uh, part I love, but the part I didn't make time for. Mm -hmm. And uh, as, as, as uh, some person has once said, loving is a verb. It's not just something that you say and then it's there. No, it's something you have to do. Um, so in that sense, I had to more actively love this part and actually do something with it, you know, take it out, do something great, mm -hmm. make it flourish instead of, you know, just saying, yeah, yeah, I, I would love to learn the saxophone someday, but I can't now. Mm -hmm. and then the last, last part that I'm curious about, um, and I think it's interesting to hear about is how did giving this part of you, this other part that wanted to learn the saxophone, how did allowing this part to be acted out through you by taking a lesson to saxophone, how did that um, maybe also alter your relationship to the work part, to the studying part? Instantly, instantly. As soon as I had made that decision, um, the feeling that everything had to be done became a lot, a lot less, the stress as well. Uh, thereby the distraction and then I can actually focus better to study later that day so mm -hmm. um, it made me feel a lot better because I was acting out the part of myself that really needed some acting out uh, 
that would otherwise be, you know, um, put away for such a long time that it would start to hurt mm -hmm. and it would start to notice it. So it felt, it felt way better. Mm -hmm. um, That's kind of in some way what I also expected to, to hear. Yeah. And what I want to reflect on that is that I think often the parts that we don't allow into our consciousness, that we push away, that because we think in some way it doesn't serve us, when we truly listen to it and give it some space, then often a lot of other things become easier. I think in part because we're no longer suppressing this part. It actually has had its, it, it has had its fun. And then we can fully focus on the next activity instead of our attention being divided between different tasks. Yeah. Um, Are you swimming against the river or going with the flow? Mm -hmm. Indeed. Um, and then I wanted to say one more thing that I currently seem to have lost. All right, so I remembered the two points that I still wanted to make. Um, the first one is that, um, like, like these, these parts, the parts that maybe the, let's say, disciplined part for you was not listening to and think like, oh no, you, you, like you're not currently serving my, my goal, you're distracting me from my laser focused that um, when you're not listening to these parts then they might um, like like they're still influencing you as i said before when you suppress things they're being banished to the unconscious and from the unconscious they are still influencing you in some ways so and often these will be kind of destructive um, ways of behavior because it's, you can maybe picture like a frustrated child that doesn't get what it wants. And then it starts to um, cause all kinds of disruptions into your life. So maybe um, you will go to bed too late or you will um, overeat or you will snap at your girlfriend or a mother when, when they're saying something to you. And you think like, ah, uh, uh, like this part comes out and like a flash of frustration. And these are indications that you're not listening to something inside of you, I think. Um, and a second point that I want, a related point is that earlier you shared that um, with statistics, you were so laser focused on that, that quite some things in it, outside of that um, went wrong in your life, kind of, or they didn't went as good as you, they didn't went, went the way that you want them to go. Mm -hmm. And what I find interesting there is that this laser focus can actually defeat the purpose of the, of the focusing. Mm. So, because one thing that I still wanted to, uh, to share with the listen listeners that you shared with me two weeks ago was that, for instance, you were sleeping less than you would normally. And also the day before the test, you slept less than, than you wanted. Mm -hmm. And then when you made the test, you were not as sharp as you wanted. So you worked so hard that you um, that you couldn't perform as well on what you were working towards as you would have wanted and then you were actually disappointed with the end result mm -hmm. well i think it, it it is relatively likely that would you have uh, toned it down a notch or two that then you would actually in the end have uh, gained a higher result and a better understanding of the material that you were studying because you took the time to consolidate both while sleeping and while taking rest and doing other things. Yeah, very possible. 
So these were two things that I still wanted to reflect. Um, uh, definitely, uh, I, I think very, very true uh, reflections. With the result, I don't know, but I do think it's likely with more sleep, you get better performance. And at least I would have gotten more enjoyment out of it, which was also a reason I'm doing it. Which is also a better long-term strategy. Exactly. Because even, even if you get like a very high result, but then you're so burnt out afterwards that you find it very hard to motivate yourself to study for the next block, for the next semester, then it's also not serving the bigger goal. That's true. That's true. So, um, thank you for your uh, reflections, Cas. Uh, <laughs> Definitely helpful also when I heard them. So, um, I would like to wrap it up with a couple of points on how to start living more curiously. Um, summarizing, in a sense, um, the things that we talked about today into actionable pieces of advice that can make people, you know, find uh, the things that they want to strive toward in their life and also find out more about them. So what are some things you have implemented to start living more curiously? Mm -hmm. um, I think what I would like to start with sharing is um, Peterson's ninth rule of the 12 rules for life. Um, which states that, um, which says, assume that the person you're listening to knows something that you don't. Mm. And I think this is a really beautiful way to, in interpersonal relationships, to adopt this attitude to um, say, okay, I, I, I don't, I know that I don't know, and I know that I can learn. And then to listen to this different layers inside the person that there might be some gold mine somewhere inside of them. And I think that this rule you can also adopt towards yourself, um, which I've also tried to listen to myself and to my um, bottom up experience as if my being, my body knows something that I don't. And I think in this way, I have learned both a lot about myself and I've learned a lot from other people and was able to connect to them in a, um, deeper level nice and related to that I think what we touched upon was start asking questions both in reflections to yourself and also in conversations and try to um, like you could take some time maybe either beforehand or during a conversation and really ask yourself what would I like to know what, what would I like to know about this person that would be enjoyable to listen to and then ask these questions and start deviating from your um, default mode programming of the questions that you're asking always. Hey, how are you doing? Oh, what are you studying? Um, how's the weather? Where you're coming from? Or I don't know what you would ask. <laughs> um, and, and start deviating and start experimenting with like, hey, what, what is the, what's the response of people when I start asking different questions? Mm -hmm. And what's the difference in me when I'm listening to people when I adopt this kind of attitude and um, try to approach them in a different way. Yeah. Finally, um, I would suggest to kind of think deeply about a mystery of your interest and to form questions around that mystery. Like what is something that you would really like to figure out? Mm -hmm. If you look around, what triggers a sense of awe inside of you? 
and then dive into that topic. Um, and w one practice that I found quite um, mm, enjoyable for myself was just before going to bed or maybe when lying in bed to go over my day um, with this kind of open attitude, like what happened during the day, what did I learn? And ask myself, what did I learn today? So um, in what way did I make a small step forward in my understanding of the world? Or what kind of experience did I make that I can put inside my, t my pocket and that no one can take away from me anymore? Which is, I think, both... Um, well, both what you pay attention to, that grows. So if I pay attention to at the end of the day of what I learned, then I will want more of that. And I will kind of develop that network of curiosity and desire for learning further. And it's also a practice of gratitude, I think, simultaneously. Hmm. Great suggestions, Cas. Uh, yeah, mine uh, are pretty much in line with yours. The first one is... Uh, basically in relationship to other people, really listening and like you said, uh, being humble, <laughs> assuming there are things you don't know and um, really taking that attitude because only then you will find out the things that you really don't know. Uh, also, listen to both yourself and the person in front of you. Um, like you said during the podcast, you can become bored when you weren't really listening. I believe that's true, but you can also become distracted when you're not really listening to yourself. So try to listen to the person and also try to listen to the thoughts that come up in your head uh, about what the person is saying without necessarily enacting them or voicing them because listening to the thoughts that come up in your head can teach you something about yourself. So uh, even if the person can't really trigger the interest in you that you are searching oftentimes the thoughts that are coming up in your head are learning you something about yourself and then i would invite you once you've learned that thing about yourself really try to dig for the gold as you say and find the thing that's interesting about other persons and also being in, in touch with these thoughts and feelings that arise inside of you yeah um, and when you communicate some of these openly then my prediction would be that the conversation, even if it was, if, if you felt bored before, that it will become more interesting. Oh yeah, definitely. Just throw it in there. What do you have to lose? It can only yeah. become more interesting. <laughs> you can only come a little bit closer towards yourself. Mm -hmm. At least it's always exciting to reveal something vulnerable about yourself. So as soon as you start to do it, you will notice the conversation immediately becomes interesting for you. <laughs> exactly. Um, and also, um, I think it's important, especially as you grow up and your models about how the world work become more and more complex, detailed. Um, I think it's important to just follow your impulses once in a while. Remind yourself that really anything is possible that you just say yes to and you just start doing. Um, because usually we tell ourselves a million reasons why not. Uh, when really uh, what we would like to do is just do it. So that's also a recommendation. Um, have an impulse. Okay, follow it. See where it leads you. At least it will teach you something about yourself. If you like it or if you don't like it, it will teach you something about yourself. And, and just to make clear with following your in impulses, you don't mean like, oh, I, have a, I feel the 
I noticed the impulse of, I know, eating something very unhealthy or a lot of sugar or watching uh, no, series no, no. or playing I, video I, games. I mean, also doing that, literally. Uh, okay. Um, because you know because that w- w- what I would like then if that's part of what you mean what I would like to reflect then is that um, from my own experience and also what I see in the per- from people around me is that I think often not always I'm not saying that you should never I know eat something unhealthy or watch a series or something like that but I think often there are um, there's something there is a deeper need underlying that so for instance when there's a need for you for um some kind of exploration of trying out something new, let's say playing the saxophone, but you're not giving that, giving yourself time for that, then this part might find another way of like, um, under the cover of like, oh yeah, I just want some relaxation. I just want something else than work. Well, actually what it wants, and, and, and then you're watching, like binge watching a series or something like that. Yeah. Well, what it actually wants is kind of a deeper need of, uh, a need for exploration, for acting curiously, that you're not listening to. It pays to find out what's beneath the need. Uh, but to do it, it helps to sometimes follow your impulses. And depending on where you are on the extreme, like you have some people who just live like that, usually just follow all the impulses. Yeah, for them it would be good to explore the other extreme of the spectrum and not do it, be disciplined um, and work towards a long-term goal. And for the people who have been working towards a long-term goal and constantly, you know, putting off the moment and the, the feelings that they have, for them it might be better to go the other way mm-hmm. and basically follow more impulse. And for me, that was the case in the last couple of months. So wherever you are, if you have an impulse to go to the other extreme, it can be uh, interesting to try and indeed then reflect on what is the deeper need beneath and can it be served in a way that is more in accordance with my long-term values, long-term health, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, so, and in both cases, um, adopting a mindful attitude while you're engaging in the behavior yeah, um, can give you, like what you said, shared in the beginning, you will tune into the reality that's present inside of you at that, at that moment. And that will contain a lot of value of, of um, crucial information about whether what you're doing is satisfying a deep need or not yeah yeah that's a good one that's really good one it's really important as well because otherwise you're not really doing it consciously so you will not you you will probably feel the need to repeat or to uh, not repeat the behavior but you won't really know to explain the need yes and once you can explain it you can usually find a better way uh, to satisfy it then you have actually something to reflect on because you were really present in what you were doing and, and the, the, the second, uh, well, it's basically what you said, find the topic of your interest and, you know, just immerse yourself in it, question, you know, ask every question about it. I think that's also a really important thing. Uh, just make sure that you are learning about something uh, because as long as you learn, uh, you are also learning about yourself and reminding yourself that it's possible to do something another way, uh, which is really important because as soon as everything becomes a habit, everything becomes a routine, people also say getting into a rut, doing the same thing every day. That's the thing that people hate. And it's for a reason. Uh, and it can happen because there are optimal ways of doing things. And sometimes doing those things every day is more optimal for getting towards a goal. But if your whole life gets like that, you get to be a type of robot and not a human. I can guarantee you're not happy. So. Remind yourself things can be done differently and also keep exploring. That means basically 
using uh, information and time that you do have. Try reading. Don't have time to read? I understand. Me neither. That kept me from reading for years and years and years. And then I found a solution. I tried audiobooks. And maybe audiobooks don't work for you. Okay, try YouTube. Try video. Try talking to people. Try reading a newspaper. It's a bit old school, but maybe that might make it interesting. Try something. Um, but do shake it up and, and uh, also be, be confident in that there are ways that suit yourself better than the way you are taking now. Um, but at the same time, keep listening to yourself uh, because, you know, your inner compass will always tell you if it's right or if it's not right for you. And as long as you listen while you go towards your journey and not try to avoid certain parts of that inner feeling, that's also important, just go into it, accept it, feel it, don't try to push it away. Don't try to avoid activities that lead to it necessarily, but you can listen to it and you can change course in a way that fits with you. Mm -hmm. And um, just one more, one thing that I want to reflect is that there's no such thing as having no time for something. Yeah. There's only um, having, having something as a lower or higher priority or no priority at all. Yeah. And I think when you, um, I, I think when you tell yourself, no, I have no time for that, I think you can see that as a um, indication of like, oh, hey, let, let, let's see, like I'm, I'm um, indicating that I have no choice in this manner. <clears throat> but you always choose whether you make time for something or make time for something else. And um, I think often the case is that when we say we, have, don't, we do not have time for something, it's because we make that something, something huge. So if I take, for example, your saxophone um, endeavor, your, your new exploration of that, um, perhaps you could have said for a long time, like, oh no, I don't have time for saxophone because how you might have envisioned it was like uh, playing once, once a week, going to a lesson for two hours and then practicing at home for another half an hour. Like then it's like, okay, well then it's a huge thing. Or for meditation, like, oh, no, I don't have time to sit and don't think for half an hour a day. Well, you can make it as small as, as, as you want. Like, really important point. It relates back to uh, what we were talking to, I think, the first uh, podcast talking about. Um, when you make a judgment about something that you have not tried, you're almost guaranteed it is wrong. <laughs> so instead of that, don't let your expectations decide beforehand on if you're going to do it or not uh, just try it and find a way that works um, and other the other thing that you said about priorities that's that's really true for me as well um, and also it's a really interesting indication because the fact that you're thinking about it means probably that a part of you wants it and then saying to yourself that you don't have time for it um, that's basically already the inner conflict taking place uh, but it's never true that you don't have time, like you said. It's rather that you don't want to make the time. Mm -hmm. So that's one habit that I would adopt. Instead of saying you have no time, just say to yourself, I don't want to make the time. Mm -hmm. And after you've said that to yourself in your own head, ask yourself, is that true? 
Mm. Feel into whether that statement feels true. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, indeed. And then you will actually find out where the real priorities yeah, lie. Um, and then you can make these also more intentionally. Yeah. Uh, I want to give one, one uh, last example of my own life concerning reading is um, I also had, had some time where I was like, oh, I don't have I don't have enough time or I'm not making enough time for reading as I would like because I, I had I had a very goal oriented like I want to have read more books mm -hmm. so not I want to read more I want to uh, be busy reading more but I want to have finished more books I want to have absorbed more of the knowledge um, and then because I had this like oh yeah I want to read more have read more books then I kind of saw this stack of books in front of me that all of which I hadn't read yet and all of that I told myself I should have read or I should read quickly and that became a very big thing and in, in what I did then at some point was say you know what I will just read a few pages every night before going to sleep even if it's like two pages or three pages um, if you do that for for 10 days then you're 30 pages further and often what I find is that when I say, okay, I will read at least, let's say, three or five pages, then maybe I read 10. And then in a week, I'm already 70 pages further. Then in a couple of weeks, you read a book. Yeah. Just set the bar at the place where you know you can start without it being an issue. And then let your enthusiasm, your natural enthusiasm, take you where you sh should go. Let your natural stamina just determine that. If you're determining in ahead of time without having built up any stamina in the activity, how far you should reach, how much you should achieve, then you're um, not taking into consideration how the experience will be for you. Mm -hmm. And um, that you're, you're essentially, again, making a prediction based on you know a figment of your imagination, which is likely to turn out to be wrong. <laughs> and often you don't take the incremental... Um, little steps into consideration yeah because when you start reading I can I would almost go as far as to guarantee you that let's say after one month of reading a few pages every day before going to bed your minimum maybe or your average was first five pages per night I think after a month, it's probably more likely to be seven or maybe 10 pages a night. Exactly. And also our brains often think linearly. Well, that is usually is not how the world works. So like you said, basically uh, thinking about an average of, you know, uh, I can do 20 pages every day. Well, instead, start by doing, you know, a lot less pages. And indeed, you will find out that uh, through time, it will become more naturally. But if you give yourself this expectation that gives you um, a bad feeling before you even start, then you know you've not given yourself the tools to succeed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's also important. Realize that the feeling you're giving yourself when you're thinking about so something, that you have that in full control um, by just choosing your perspective. And if you really want to start something, choose the perspective that gives you the good feeling. Because if you don't, you will lose your momentum and you start putting it off. And it will actually become something that's purely detracting from your experience instead of adding to it. Becoming another should in the distance that's giving you stress that you didn't do it yet. Or instead becoming a want because you are giving yourself the right mindset to get into it. So think whatever thought you need uh, to get a good feeling about getting going, doing what you want to do. Um, 
because usually that's the only real um, measure of how far the mindset is helping you. I would like to, um, like, like, let's say that this was a little um, introduction to the topic of routine that we kind of naturally started to touch upon. Yeah. Um, but due to time constraints, uh, to, to keep it reasonable to, to listen to it and not, yeah. not drain your energy too much. So, um, yeah, we would like to let this be a little teaser for the next episode where we will go uh, more into routine, um, establishing routine, keystone habits, um, and all of that. So more on that next time. Um, do you have any closing comments on curiosity, Nita? Yeah. Just pay attention to what's around you. There's always something to appreciate. As soon as you suspend judgment long enough to really look at it and really take it in. So apply that to, to your situation, what's around you, to yourself. And you will find that if you suspend judgment for long enough, the curiosity will come. And after you learn something new about this beautiful world of ours, then the happiness will also come. So trust in that. Enjoy the next of your yeah, the rest of your week, basically, a couple of weeks until we talk to you. And let us know um, what are your reflections on curiosity, on what you've heard on the podcast and on your life in general. We love your questions. We'd like more of them. So thank you for listening. Talk to you next time. We hope that you, um, that we helped to elicit some curious uh, questions inside of you, um, that we stirred some things up in your mind. And that by bringing some of the things that we discussed today um, into practice, uh, that you discover some things that you would like to learn more about. Um, and we are very excited to hear, um, hear about your experience in bringing these, these points into, uh, into practice. Yeah. So thank you for listening again. <laughs> and... Um, Speak to you next time. Ciao.